that's not, yeah, that's not dead. Oh, man. Everybody knows when I got to hold a microphone, we're in for a problem. But hey, uh, man, some celebrating today. Uh, as of a week and a half ago, the Burdens were able to finalize their adoption with Desi and Nevaeh. That's a big deal. It's been in the works for a while, and we've gotten to see those beautiful little girls running around for a while and uh, see their hair grow and see them grow and just see them get more and more beautiful and grow into a part of the Burden family and, and actually, as a result, be a part of the Origins family, too. So that's a big deal, and we want to celebrate that. Uh, but also Jordan and Taylor Reeves, who have been kind of in the adoption shoot for probably two years now. Uh, as of this week, uh, they have a little baby boy named Toby. And uh, that is a huge deal. And uh, he, he's beautiful. He matches all the babies within Origins. Uh, because, you know, if you're new here, you should know, and you haven't had kids yet, uh, every child that is born in this church is beautiful. And uh, it's, I mean, it's a byproduct of being a part of this faith family. And it just happens. And it's also very contagious. So if you're a couple here, a married couple, and, and you don't have kids yet, be careful. Um, we don't know if it's a water fountain or, or what it is. Uh, but there's something. And it just kind of happens. Yeah, maybe grab me some batteries. All right, so today, um, yeah, this is new. I can hold a microphone with, with the broken hand. This is good. Uh, I'm glad, glad that worked out. God's timing is perfect. And so I'm not mocking that. I'm serious. It's good. But today, uh, we're in our third week of Advent. Uh, the candles are behind me, and I hope we don't catch my, my shirt on fire. Um, but as we've been going, like we talked about, like Adventus, the Latin word for Advent, which we came from, is just the arrival. And so as we're celebrating Advent, what we're doing is, is we're thinking back to celebrate the arrival of Christ, our Savior, Emmanuel, the Messiah that had been promised. But also we're looking forward to the fact that he's going to come back. He's going to arrive again. And as a result of that, man, ultimate victory is going to be experienced. And so while we're thinking through these things, like these ideas of what does hope look like as a result of Jesus, what does peace look like as a result of Jesus, today as we talk about what is joy as a result of Jesus, like yes, uh, we want to be able to empathize with the people that were waiting for that Messiah, a creation that was groaning um, in expectation for that Messiah, but also we want to remember, like all of the temporal things or the temporal things that we experience, the pain, the loss, the difficulty, the struggle in every degree, man, at some point, every single bit of that's going to be over. It's going to be done. Check, check. Oh, man. Yeah, that's much better. If I'm animated like Tom and Jerry and I need my hands. So so anyway, so we, we are looking back, but we are also looking forward. Today, uh, we are going to reread a familiar passage with the Christmas story. Um, when we celebrate Christmas, that's what we do. Uh, one thing that we will say frequently is that, uh, man, like around Easter and around Christmas, like this is a story that we don't need to add to or take away from. Like it is good as is, and it needs to be retold. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read through a handful of these verses and kind of hone in on one today and uh, just kind of look at this idea of joy. If you will, pray with me, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Two feet. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for Jesus. Today, as a people who are united by grace, who have experienced mercy, um, God, who are under the new law of Christ, which is liberty, God, I thank you in the name of Christ that we can do this. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for stories, God, uh, that point us towards hope, that point us towards peace, that point us, uh, God, towards great joy and great love. God, today as a people, I pray that we celebrate you well, we remember you well, uh, but God, also uh, you uh, make it very clear to us that we get to live for you well also. God, we thank you, we love you, thank you for your word, and uh, I pray for us as we look at it today. It's in your name, amen. So chapter 2, verse 1, 
And, and Andrew, uh, as he was talking about peace, he read through some of these last week, and, and we'll probably hear from them next week as well. But you know what? That's okay. So here we go. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn or the guest room. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. We're going to pause right there just for a second. Like, I'm a big imagination station kind of guy. Like, you know, I want my kids to be able to use their imagination. I want us to be able to use their imagination. Very often, we will read narratives in Scripture, but yet we won't try to put a picture with it, right? But I, but I want us to put a picture with this. Like, you're not shepherds. I don't know if any of you work third shift, but, but just imagine for a minute. You lose your job, and your new job is your, you work third shift in the middle of the field every single night. You don't see people. You see sheep, okay? That would make you a shepherd, by the way. And so that's your job. All right, and to be honest, as a result of being a shepherd, uh, nobody really likes you, okay, um, because you're not like the shepherds of the Old Testament. You're not like David, who was like, man, he's a shepherd. No, you're like, man, he's a shepherd, and so nobody really liked the shepherds. They worked with sheep, okay? They were like, man, they were, they were just the bottom of the working class kind of a deal, and not the good kind that you would want to bring home. These were shepherds, and so imagine that's where you are in the middle of the night. The only thing you hear are sheep every single night. You probably don't like your job, but it's the only thing you can do. And you're standing out there taking care of sheep, and then all of a sudden the skies rip open. And there's, there are angels everywhere, and they're, they're talking to you. Like just for a minute, for a minute, like if we could put our imagination caps on, just what would you do? Like what would you do? So that's where we are. And so they're standing in the middle of the field, and verse 9 again, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So some some shepherds just standing in the middle of a field, pitch black night, and all of a sudden, just this bright, vibrant, blinding angel tells them a couple things. The first, he's like, hey, don't don't be afraid, because they were, you would be too. Like, if we're thinking clearly, and we're thinking, you know, coherently, like if this happened to us, we we would want to run, and we would want to hide, find the nearest cave, find the nearest barn, we got to get away, but he's like, no, 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 don't, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. I'm not here to kill you. No, I'm here to to tell you something. I'm here to tell you this. And and he just says, uh, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And today I want us to think about the fact that 
what these angels were announcing was, one, the good news that was about to be realized, the good news that was about to put skin on, the good news that was going to grow into the ability to speak truth, teach truth, heal, exercise demons, everything we've been talking about in the book of Mark for the past several months and will continue into 2022, all of those things. He's like, I tell you today, that good news with skin on, he's here. He's here. And as a result of that good news, you can have something, and probably the shepherds, it's probably something they needed to hear really, really bad, but we need to hear it too. As a result of this great news, the best news, the good news, the gospel that was about to put on skin, because of that, you can have something that you've probably been missing for a long time. Three-letter word, starts with J, ends with Y, there's an O in the middle, and it's, it's joy. That sounded a lot more catchy in my head than it did when it came out, but... This, as a result of this great news, you get to have joy. And it's a word that we say, it's a word that we sing, like probably one of my favorite hymns is Joy to the World. Like, I, I love that song, like, because you, you listen to it, and a lot like the preceding two, words, two songs that we sang, like, if you just read these apart from the music, man, it's a sermon that we need to hear. Like, those, those past two songs, man, I was just sitting there, I couldn't even sing them. So good. But Joy to the World, the same idea, like, man, joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king, same thing that they were just telling these, these podunk shepherds in the middle of the field, joy is here. Like for us, before we even talk about like the implications of that, um, like just like those preceding words and some terms that we use frequently when referencing scripture, like I think we need to understand what that means. Like I think the first thing that we need to say is that like joy does not, it's not synonymous with happiness. Like I want to throw that out there. Like, it is an emotion, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But again, he's telling them, as a result of this great news, the best news, the good news, you can have this joy kind of a thing, the thing that they have probably been wanting for so long, uh, we need to understand, first and foremost, it's not just happiness. Uh, one author that I was reading this week, he probably a, a pretty wordy definition, but his, his idea was that biblical joy is choosing to respond to external circumstances with inner contentment and satisfaction. Because we know that God will use these experiences to accomplish his work in and through our lives. John Piper says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. Jack Wellman, another author, he says, joy is an emotion that is acquired by anticipation, acquisition, and even the expectation of something great or wonderful. So I took all of these three and, and here's mine. Okay, not quite, as, not quite as loquacious and verbose, but just still there. I would say that joy is believing in God's goodness and plan no matter the circumstance. It's a big picture emotion versus in the moment feelings. Joy is a gift of God and a choice made by those who are His. Man, today, as we celebrate Jesus and we celebrate the goodness that He brings, this great news that He wears, this great news that He is, Today, one of the byproducts of him is that we get to have this joy, this joy. I think the first thing that, that we understand with this and other scriptures, and we'll, we'll flip over to Romans 15, 13, really quick, maybe, bingo, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so, that, so by, the, by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I think the first thing that we need to see and understand is that this joy that we get to have, it's a gift from God. 
It's a gift from God. And not just understanding it's a gift, but understanding where it's coming from. It is a gift from God. This joy that we're talking about, this joy that is being brought in as a result of this great news, the good news that is Jesus, like it's not something that we can fabricate. It's not something that we can manufacture. It's not something that we can chase to attain. No, this is implanted by the supernatural uh, positioning of Jesus in our lives. This is a gift from God, this type of joy. Because again, it's not happiness. It's not just contentment. It's not just a, a situational awareness of good things. It's not just that. No, it is, a, it is a gift that is transplanted and implanted into us as a result of by grace through faith. This is joy. The shepherds needed to hear it. We need to hear it too. Like I think at this, this time of year, like there's an understanding, like this is the saddest time of year for a ton of people. Believe it or not. Now, I know that's not you people or we people because everybody in here, you're happy. I can see it. I can smell it. You know, it smells like coffee and it looks like smiles. I, I get that. But for a lot of people, understand that, and this is the saddest time of year for people. I mean, we spent time in Stockholm, Sweden, and we've got some partners over there. Uh, I, I hate to single them out, but this time of year in Stockholm, Sweden is one of the saddest times of year for people because they're one of the loneliest cities in the world. The highest concentration of single-dwelling homes anywhere else in the world in a developed country. Because they believe they don't need anything. And as a result of that, they, they don't need relationships. So they live alone. And as a result of that, their rate of suicide is higher. Their rate of depression is higher. Because they're isolated, alone individuals. Imagine being an isolated, alone person who has no one during this time of year. You wouldn't be filled with happiness. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be jolly. You'd be very melancholy. Instead, you would be those things. This time of year, for a lot of people, is the saddest time of year. And just like the shepherds need to hear it, those people need to hear it. If, if you are one of those people who struggle with the fact that this is, this is a hard time of year for you, for whatever that reason may be, man, you need to hear, as a result of Jesus, you can have joy. Even as believers, even as happy people, even as happy-go-lucky folks, if that's you, and you need to hear, I need to hear, as a result of Jesus, we get to have joy. And it's a gift. It's a gift, just like the by grace through faith kind of an idea of salvation Attached to that is this ability to have joy, and we'll continue to expound on that definition. But remember, it's not just, not just happiness. Galatians uh, 5.22, we're not going to throw that up on the screen, but, but that's that list of fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, keeps going. You know, these are a result of the Spirit being in us. These are the things that need to come out of us as a result of actually the Spirit being in us, regenerating us, making us new. One of those things is joy. Again, it's a gift. We didn't make it. We didn't create it. We didn't, we didn't orchestrate it. None of those things. We are not the architect behind joy. Jesus is. It's a gift. And I think that's important for us to understand because, again, if we're, if we're relegating it just to the emotion drawer and we're reaching in, pulling it out like we do happiness or, or extolment or any of those things, like we have to understand it's, it is an emotion, has emotional context, but it's, it's different. It doesn't fit in that nice, neat box of emotions. This one's other than, just like Jesus. This one's other than, just like salvation. This one's other than, just like grace, just like mercy. It's joy. It's a gift. I think the, the second thing that we need to understand about joy, if we flip over to James 1, let's, I, I tell you what, go to the Philippians passage first. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice is just have joy or be joyful. Let your reasonableness, reasonableness, that's a difficult one, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. If, we, if we're reading this, we're reading the next passage in just a second, we have to understand that, that joy, unlike happiness, it's not situational. 
It's not situational. I think if we, if we put it in that box of emotions like everything else, we have to understand that, that we're sad when bad things happen. We're happy when good things happen. But joy is different. Joy is other than. Joy is something else. Like we talked about when we read those definitions by some very smart people. And then me borrowing from them. Like, joy is more than that. It's different than that. James 1, uh, 2 through 3, tells us, bingo, it says, count it all joy, consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. In this passage, probably the earliest written book that we have to the church, written by the brother of Jesus, he was telling them, look, I want you to understand, you need to consider it joy, you need to count it joy, you need to choose joy. Even when you're in the midst of trials and testing and pressure and weight and difficulty and struggle. See, that doesn't sound like happiness at all because if he was saying, you know, be happy when things are bad, man, that wouldn't make sense a bit because you can't. But instead, joy is being put in a different box. It's a lot different. He's saying, consider it all joy, count it all joy, choose joy even when you're in the midst of trials because we know that something is coming from that. We have to understand that not only is joy a gift, but joy is also a choosing on our part. It's a choosing on our part. We've been equipped, we've been enabled to choose that joy as a result of Jesus, but we still have to choose it, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of great pain, even in the midst of a season in which a lot of people just The one thing that they can't get out of their mind, the pervasive thought is, I am alone, I am isolated, I am unloved, I have no one. Just like you, they can have this joy. Get to that in a minute. We have to understand that joy is not conditional. Sometimes it's a choosing. Um, Man, I've I've been super blessed in my life to see, uh, it sounds crazy, but to see a couple people die very well. And I know that's, that's a strange thought. We're not talking about like Viking death or Valhalla, but just to, that, that died well. I remember uh, several years ago, um, this guy that I had grown to know as a result of, of kind of my first foray in the ministry, which was traveling and teaching in the, the big city of Barnwell, South Carolina. Uh, for some reason, I would go down there three or four times a year and get to teach at, at various churches. And, and there was this mountain of a man, this bear of a dude who had that hand that, you know, kind of like Jake Maxwell here. He's not here today, but when he shakes your hand, your hand kind of disappears. Steve was bigger than that. Like, he was just this, this dude. And when he shook your hand, your hand was just gone, just that guy. Um, and Steve got cancer. Steve loved the Lord. Like, man, he loved the Lord to an infectious degree. Uh, and I got to visit Steve um, about a week before he passed away. One of the craziest experiences of my life. Um, he was no longer the mountain of a man. Uh, he no longer had his bright red, fiery hair. Um, he, was, he was a shell of his former physical self. And got to witness him sitting in a recliner with hardly any strength anymore uh, and his wife holding his arm up so that he could sing to Jesus days before his death. That's joy. Because even faced with the impending doom of physical death, He knew that worship was everything. He knew that God was still good. He knew that Jesus was still on the throne. He knew that the Spirit was still indwelling. And he knew that healing, ultimate healing, was coming in a few short days. 
And just two weeks ago, I uh, buried my uncle. And as a result of COVID, like an uncle to, to an all, you know, just reasonable regards, didn't know him um, before COVID. Like, we would see him at Christmas, Thanksgiving, those types of things, this, the brother of my dad. Um, but just that side of the family, they, they were, you know, we just, we never got to know each other. But as a result of COVID, he had moved up here. Uh, he had moved up here before that. They were living here, and um, he was diagnosed with cancer. And as a result of going online, when we were doing the virtual services, like he actually became like a virtual attender of Origins every week and probably had more exchanges with my Uncle Rick over through the course of COVID and that than I did the preceding 39 years of my life. Um, and, and got to talk to him, got to almost like pastor him virtually, my uncle, crazy. Um, and from a six-month terminal diagnosis, he lived for about a year and a half uh, and got to go sit with him Friday night two weeks ago before he passed away on Saturday morning. Talked with him on his deathbed, literal deathbed, and he had joy because he knew that one way or another healing was coming. He knew one way or another, no matter the circumstance where he was, Man, God was still good. God was still good. And either God would heal him of his disease or God would heal him eternally. But either way, it was coming. Man, that's crazy, right? That's not happiness. Because let's, let's be honest, like if, if we've had whatever disease, whatever accident, whatever it may be, ravage our bodies and take away everything that we had value on, we're not going to be happy. We can be joyful. There's a difference. One is supernatural, one is conditional. And you still have joy. But, but here's the thing. Like, I, I think it would be sad if the only time that our, our joy was demonstrative was at our deathbed, right? Like we don't have to be dying to be joyful. I mean, that's true, right? Like, like, I don't want someone to look back at my life, and I wouldn't look at either of those two men and say that that was the only time that they were joyful, but I did get to witness it in those moments. Like, I don't want anybody to look at my life and say the only time that Matthew was joyful was when he was about to die. Like, I would rather people look at me and say that he lived a life of joy from the time that he met Jesus until he died, and then he was united with him in eternity. That's what I would prefer, right? And I think that's what you would prefer. Because joy is not contingent upon the circumstance that's crushing us or building us up. Joy is contingent upon this. Just one thing, one thing. Here it is. Jesus. That's it. Now, there's a lot wrapped up in the name of Jesus. You know, there's something about that name according to the old song. But there's, there's a lot wrapped up in the name of Jesus. And as during this season, we're, we're celebrating the fact that he came, he put skin on. He was born as a helpless little baby, laid in hay. Whether it was in a cave, whether it was in a manger, I'll be honest, it doesn't. I mean, it was a manger but a, or a barn, it doesn't really matter. But here's what matters. Attached to that Jesus was God himself. And attached to that Jesus and God and man and God and all those things was salvation that we needed. It was hope. It was peace. It was joy. It was love. All of those things that we are celebrating right now was wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in a manger and that changes everything because attached to him is our only chance at any of those things because like we've talked about over the past few weeks we, we can't manufacture this kind of hope we can't manufacture this God-sized peace or shalom. We, we can't manufacture this level of joy. 
this emotion that doesn't fit in the box of emotions. We can't manufacture those things. So Jesus brought them. He brought them as a gift to those who believe. It changes everything. And so it's not just about the thought that, man, all of this sadness and all of this pain is one day going to be over. It's not just about that, but that's included in there. But instead, it's about, man, there's a purpose bigger than me. There's a plan that's bigger than mine. There's a glory that doesn't depend upon my goodness. There's Jesus. There's a mission that existed before me, and I've been placed in it. Thank you, Jesus. There's, there's hope that I don't understand. Thank you, Jesus. There is a love that I can't comprehend. Thank you, Jesus. There is salvation that waits on the other side of faith. Thank you, Jesus. Man, so much. So much. And that's why we want to celebrate it well. Celebrate it well, because like we've said, and like we will continue to say, man, Jesus is so other than, so out of this world. It should blow our minds and it should break our hearts. Here's the last thing that I'll say about joy. In a very egocentric culture, in a, in a very look-at-me time, I think we need to understand that joy is just not about me. And joy is just not about you. Because as great as it is that Jesus, with him, wrapped in those swaddling clothes, was this gift of joy, we need to understand that it's not just this self-serving gift that was given to me. It's not just so that I can have an eternal outlook. But that same joy that we get to have, that same joy that James talks about, of considered all joy, counted all joy, uh, choose this joy, it's also about your fellow believer. Because they need to see it. They need to see it. If we go to Philippians and it talks about how we get to suffer and suffering can be a good thing, this, this grace gift of suffering, we know that we get to do that because other believers see us suffer with joy for their sanctification. They see us enduring trials. They see us enduring tribulation. They see us enduring pain. And they see us doing it with great joy, even though it might not be a happy circumstance. They see it and they're reminded that they have the same salvation that we do and they can have that same joy in the midst of difficulty as well. So while your joy is proof of your sanctification, it can also point other believers to theirs. So your joy is just not about you. Our joy is, is also for a world that doesn't know Jesus. They need to see it as well. Man, that, the testimony of, of Steve Hafes dying the way that he did, I know that his coworkers came into his house. I watched them. I got there that day, and there were 20 people there just to see this guy many of which did not know Jesus. But they got to see Jesus that day on display in a dying man. His joy was not just about him. His joy was not just about uh, proving sanctification of himself and others, but his joy was also about revealing Jesus to people who needed to see him. Our joy should and can and will point people to Jesus. Because again, not manufactured, not man-made, it's a gift, a grace gift that should be odd, that should be peculiar, that should just be like head-scratching strange to people, especially in, in the extremes of going through the worst of things. Like when you're squeezed, what comes out? If it's Jesus, people are going to look at that, and they're going to be like, dude, man, why, what in the world is going on with you? And we get to fill in the blanks with words as a result of joy. 
as a result of joy. Be prepared at any given time to give a reason for your hope. Scripture tells us that. When people see you suffering and you have joy, they're going to ask why. And we get to tell them. Your joy is just not about you. It, it might be probably the best apologetic that we have. In a world that suffering is rampant, in a world that pain is mundane, we can have joy. People will see it. They will ask questions. We can answer questions. I think here's the third place for our joy, though. The third thing that points to the fact that it's just not about me. think if we are choosing joy, understand that it's a gift, but it's also a choice. If we're choosing that, man, it's one of our spiritual acts of worship. Because what it is, is it's it is us acknowledging the goodness, the purpose, the plans of God over my contentment. And that's worship. That is worship. It is us acknowledging the goodness, the plans, the purpose of God over my own contentment. That's joy and that's worship. And don't, don't you believe for a minute, like I'm not trying to humanize God beyond necessity, but, but don't you think when we are aiming to please a God, not because our salvation is dependent upon it, but because we desire to do it, one thing that pleases God is for him to look down on us and to know, man, that we are choosing his plans and his purposes over our designs. Don't you think that pleases a holy father? I believe that it does. I believe that it does. Because our joy is just not about us. It's not about you, not about me. It's good for us, but it's honoring to God. And we get to do that. Man, I love Christmas season. I've talked about it. I will continue to, to sing its praises because of the opportunity that it represents. The opportunity it represents for us to speak to our children clearly about who Jesus is. The opportunity it represents for us to speak to our neighbors, our coworkers, about what it represents in Jesus. Just the opportunity is there. Yes, it's there 11 months out of the year, but during this month, like, people are primed. People are. They, I mean, they're just there. We get to speak. We get to share. And I would encourage us, too, to understand that within our familial bubble, yes, life may be happy and good. But for those walking around the streets of this city, there are a lot of people right now whose life is not good for. It's not good. It's not happy. It's not joyful. They don't have what we are graced to have. But as a result of Jesus, they can. And his plan A for that is for us to share. For faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of God. How beautiful are the feet of those who take the good news. Romans 10 tells us. During this season, we can have pretty feet. I know that sounds weird. Nobody has pretty feet because all feet are ugly. But God doesn't look at the, the feet of a man. He looks at his heart. That's kind of a paraphrase. But, man, during this time of the year, we have great opportunity to see like Jesus, to look for those people whose life is not good. Life is not fun. Life is not happy. We can invite them into a story that they couldn't write that they couldn't orchestrate, but that God can do great things in. I think maybe the application of this is very singular today. Pray to see people that don't have joy. Pray that God would show you those people. 
so that you can speak to them, so that we can love them in word, love them in deed, maybe love them around our own table, but pray that we see them. Because if we don't see them, we won't speak to them. We won't invite them in. We won't share with them. So it starts with just seeing them like Jesus for them to have a chance at joy that comes only through him. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, today as a result of Jesus. You promise us that we can have joy as a condition of our salvation, but then, God, you equip us to choose it over fear. You equip us to choose it over sorrow. You equip us to choose it, God, in the best of days and the worst of days. We can have joy because we know that that your purpose, your plan, your goodness is far better than anything we have. I pray that as a people who are being remade in your image, God, we could walk around and just not be fake, not fake it till we make it, but be genuinely joyful to know you and be known by you. And God, I do pray you would bless us with the supernatural ability just to see people where they are, to see those who do not have joy, but to understand, God, as a result of you, they can. And you want us to share. You want us to tell. You want us to speak of your goodness and watch you do something with it. God, thank you for a city that you've placed us in that needs you so greatly. Pray that we would not take that for granted and we would gratefully accept the mission that you had before we came to know you. God, I love you. I thank you for your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.